We are going to be in the book of Acts again, chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 48. If you would like to follow along in the Bible, there's going to be less PowerPoint up here. This is a, a very long passage. There's 48 verses, which is more than we typically cover. Um, so I hope that you took the opportunity to read it during the week. If you didn't, that's okay. You, you still have the opportunity this week to read it as well. I think you might get a little bit more out of it than what can be shared in an hour. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of verses, 48 verses. And if we take all those 48 verses and we condense them down, uh, we can come up with a simple little phrase that encompasses all of it. On the back of your bulletin, if anybody has it who fills these out, um, it says the big idea. If you want to know what the big idea is, it's the, sermon of, it's the name of the title. It's Jesus is for everyone. That's, that's the big idea of the message. That's what we're going to be getting across. As we go through this, Peter's going to learn a very big lesson that Jesus is for everybody, not just his Jewish brothers. Um, but before we do, let's pray and ask God's blessing on the message of the Lord today. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, God, for they do, uh, you, you sent Jesus to the earth to, to die on a cross to, pay the, to, to take the punishment for my sins of what I can have eternal life. God, that you didn't just want Jews to get to heaven. You didn't want just holy, you know, righteous people. God, you wanted everybody to be a part of your family. And so we remember today Jesus is for everyone. Help us to be grateful for that, that we have you as our Savior, but also remember to take that out to other people as well. I just pray that, God, this message comes out with your words and not my own. And I pray this in Jesus' name. So has anybody here ever experienced what it's like to be part of the in-group? You feel, you, when you walk into a room, such as a church or a school or the office, you feel like you feel comfortable you fit in, you feel accepted, you feel like, hey, everybody's glad to see me and I'm glad to see other people. Anybody ever feel experience what it's like to be on an in-group? No, nobody. Yeah. Anybody experience the opposite of feeling like you're an outsider? Yes. We have Karen raising her hand. You walk into a room and you're wondering, what am I doing here? I don't feel very comfortable. I, I feel nervous. I feel like I'm out of place. And it's really hard to, to be in that place because you don't fit in. You know, if you've, if you've experienced the inside group, it's a great feeling. You feel accepted, you feel happy, you feel comfortable. If you feel like you are the outsider, you feel uncomfortable, you feel miserable, you feel like, I wish somebody would reach out into my life and invite me in. Well, Peter, he's, looking, he's one of those guys who's part of the in-group. Now, he's not the kind of guy who's, who's in a church building saying, hey, you guys need to welcome visitors in, which I hope everybody who comes into this room feels welcome. He's not saying when you're at school, make sure that the new kid that comes into the class or the new teacher feels welcome, although those are good things to do. Peter is talking about something that's much bigger. He's not just saying welcome people into your room. He's saying go out to everybody, whether they fit in your comfort zone or not, and welcome them into being a part of the family of God because Jesus is for everyone. I'll probably say that redundantly a million times. You'll get the idea. It'll, it'll annoy you to pieces. But that is what I want you to remember, is that Jesus is for everyone. And this is something that Peter has to learn. And we're going to walk through Peter's lesson and see, hey, that fits for me as well. Jesus is for everyone in my life as well. So we have the outsiders. And we start with Cornelius, a guy in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 2. I'll read it for you. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 2, it says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He was 
He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. He was an outsider. He doesn't, it, it obviously doesn't state right there that he was an outsider. He sounds like a good guy. He sounds like a guy who's, who's God-fearing. We have four qualities listed right there. He was devout, meaning he was very religious. He worshipped the true God, even though he wasn't a Jew. He was still worshipping the same God that we worship. He was God-fearing. This was a guy whose goal was to please God. In everyday life, whatever he was doing, his goal was to try to make God happy. He was a guy who was generous. He was charitable. He thought of other people. This guy was a quality guy doing quality things in everyday life. And then it says uh, in verse 2, it also says that he was faithful in prayer. He was home secretly praying. He was with his family. He was wherever he was at. God saw that Cornelius was praying. What makes this guy even better, even though at the moment he's looked at as an outsider, it says that he and his whole family were devout and God-fearing. This wasn't just the faith that Cornelius himself had. This was the faith that expanded, that was passed down to his family as well. He was a God-fearing man doing godly things uh, for, the, for this God that he was trying to serve. And here's the situation that kind of comes up. I want to read it for you. It's not up there. That's why I encourage your Bibles this week. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 3 through 8. It says, one day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He had some kind of dream. He had some kind of interaction with, um, with this, this angel. It says, he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts have come uh, to the poor, have come up as a memorial offering before God. He says, now, since I'm in a job to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Verse 7 says, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent him to Joppa. Joppa is where Peter was at two weeks ago when we looked at. He had just uh, recently healed a man who was a cripple for eight years. News spread. He went to Joppa, and there was a woman named Tabitha or Dorcas who had died, and Peter was there to raise her from the dead. And so that's where he's currently at. God has an angel talk to Cornelius and said, Hey, go to Joppa. That's not that far away. Go get him and bring him back here. Because in, in our, next week we see that he has a message by which Cornelius and his whole family can be saved. And here's what uh, Cornelius is. He is an outsider. He's somebody who is trying to worship the true God, even though he is not a Jew. He doesn't necessarily know about Jesus, putting his faith in him for salvation, but what he knows about God, he wants to follow. He wants to do, and yet he is seen as an outsider. There are outsiders in the scriptures, all throughout scriptures. But guess what? There are outsiders today. And not just the guy who's a misfit who doesn't fit in and the school on the basketball team. Not just the guy who comes into church and doesn't feel like he's really accepted. Not the guy who, who goes to your place of employment that's the awkward guy that's kind of like, okay, we just leave Josh to himself, right? That's, that's one of the blessings and the curses of working by yourself is you, you can be like, wow, I, I get to work with Josh. Or, oh, great, I got to work with Josh, right? There's, there's nothing. Okay. But there are outsiders everywhere. You, you find them everywhere. And some of these outsiders that you come across are very religious. These are the people who go to churches. 
every single Sunday. There might even be somebody like that in this room today. I go to church every, every Sunday. I'm, I'm very religious. I help the poor. I give my money. I give my tithe. I, I'm sincere in all my beliefs. Uh, whether they're right or wrong, I'm just very religious. But what they're missing is they're still on the outside. Because to be on the inside, you have to have that connection with Jesus. You have to have that relationship with Jesus. At this point, Cornelius doesn't seem to have that. And so part of that's why he's an outsider. But outsiders today can be very religious. They look like a model citizen. You say, wow, I want this person on my team because they're such a nice person, and yet they're still an outsider. Some are very clueless. You know, we all want to assume and think that everybody out there knows the name of Jesus. Everybody knows about God. But as we go through life, the name of Jesus becomes more and more scarce. Uh, we find this in the younger ages especially. I remember back in Davenport, Leslie was talking to a kid uh, and trying to, in Awana trying to explain about who Jesus was in Awana. This kid had no idea. You know, some kids think of Jesus as part of the, the starting of a swear word, right? But they don't know anything more than that. And so there, as we go farther and farther through life, yes, there's more opportunities to know about Jesus, but there are still more and more people who don't. So there's a lot of clueless people who don't even know about Jesus. Very, very on the outside, very religious, not religious, it doesn't matter, but they, they, they don't know about Jesus. They're very clueless, which is part of why we send people out like the Sparks to Uganda. We support them to share people with Jesus. That's part of why we have the most awesome WANA program, this church that anybody's ever seen in any church, because we want to tell kids about Jesus. So some are, some are very religious, some are very clueless, some people are very against Jesus. Anybody know anybody who's really against Jesus? You think if, if you were to mention the name of Jesus, it would, it would backfire in your face. If you brought, ask, invite them to church, it would, it would blow up. It would be like a conversation I really don't want to have because they're that kind of people. I've, I've known people like that, and some people are like that. But, and, and so they fit on the outside. Like they could be happy on the outside. They could have no clue they're on the outside. They can think they're on the inside, but there are people everywhere who are on the outside. Now let's look at those on the inside. Cornelius was on the outside. Peter is on the inside. Uh, I'm going to read for you verses 9 through 16. Chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. This is where we get the introduction of who, of, about Peter in this situation. It says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He's praying. He's, he's, he's talking to God. He says he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw something. Uh, he saw heaven open and something like what you see in this picture. A large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Verse 13 says, Then a voice said, Kill, or get up, Peter, kill and eat. He's hungry, right? And this is, this is speaking volumes to a hungry guy. There's food right there being brought down before him. And Peter says, um, Surely not, Lord. Uh, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. I, I've never done it. And the voice spoke to him a second time and says, Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back up to heaven. Peter's on the inside. Peter's, he's on, 
Uh, he's got the relationship with Jesus. Life is going good for Peter. And all of a sudden, he has this trance. He has like a vision of what's coming down for him to kill and eat. Peter has some, has some things to go through in life. First of all, we see that Peter had a very religious mentality. Right? Because here, he's being told by this voice from heaven, here's this sheep with all sorts of animals, clean and unclean, and he's told to kill and eat whatever looks good to you, Peter. Right? You just pick one, and, and you kill it, you, you prepare it, and that, that tummy hunger that you have will go away. And what does Peter do? He's arguing with the Lord, saying, I've never done it. I'm not going to do it. He's so religious that he's arguing with his voice from heaven, saying, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to take that step. Even though he's hearing three times that this is indeed okay for them to do. So he has a very religious mentality. He's trying to do the right thing. But he also has a very big lesson to learn. Because the voice, when it says, that calls to him a second time, says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Peter's looking at what he's already grown up knowing. Because in Leviticus chapter 11, you want to read something that maybe will be appealing to you if you understand animals and stuff. But it talks about this long list of foods that are clean and unclean. And Peter is living by that. He is not going to eat anything. He is not supposed to uh, on, on the sheet, no matter what anybody says. He's trying to be very religious, but he's got a very big lesson to learn. And there's two parts to this. The one part is, is easier. Uh, I mean, there's, there's two parts. The first part is that, in fact, all food was now considered clean. All the sheet getting down, let down from heaven with all the animals was there to say that all food is now clean. Anybody here like bacon? Yes, okay, people are, are awake. They're listening. Everybody loves bacon. Uh, we got bacon for the past appreciation treat thing we got. And we went home and we had bacon. And we had eggs. And it just is delicious. You smell it. You love it. Well, guess what was not on the Jewish menu? Bacon. It doesn't specifically say bacon in the Bible, but it says it says in the pig. Though it had a split hoof, completely divided, it doesn't chew the cud, and so it is unclean for you. So now, all of a sudden, bacon is on the menu. And pork chop, and pork roast, and any other porky stuff that you can figure out to eat, that was now on the menu. It was there. And God's saying, it is okay for you to eat this. But this was a, it was a visual. This was an object lesson that was going to stick with Peter. Okay, I'm hungry. I'm getting to eat food of any kind. And, but God was really trying to tell Peter something else. He was trying to point out to Peter that all people are clean. Right? He wasn't trying to say that all people are good and all people do the right thing and, and so therefore it's okay to associate with them. He's saying that it's okay just to be with around anybody. Uh, Peter... Right now, he's just, he's just going to come out of his dream, and he's going to be wondering what in the world's going on. And then people come to him that Cornelius sent to him and say, hey, look, would you please come back to, um, to where Cornelius is? It says in verse 17, it says, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. It says, Peter went downstairs and says, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that, you could hear what he has, so that he could hear what you have to say to us. Then Peter invited the man into his house to be his guest. 
Sounds like a natural thing to do. Someone comes to my house, you want to come inside to visit? Go for it. But that wasn't the case it was for the Jewish people of that day. In verse uh, 27 and 28, we, we find Peter's normal response to Gentiles, to un-Jewish people. Uh, was It says verse 27 and 28, it says it right there. Uh, Taking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, and he said to them, You are well aware, right, that it's not okay for us, for a Jew, to associate with a Gentile or to even visit him. That's what our law says. That was the, the Jewish law. The only thing was that wasn't God's law. That was man's law. It was, you know, when it kind of goes back to the time where Moses told the people, I don't want you to intermarry with these people uh, that are of other nations. I don't want you to make deals and, and go into business with these other people. And so the people took it a step farther and said, you know what? We're just not even going to hang out with those people. We're not going to associate with those people so that we don't have that problem. Very religious mentality, right? But it wasn't the right one. That's why Peter has to learn this lesson today. Verse 28 says, But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. The sheep with the four-footed animals was, yes, all foods are now clean, so have your bacon. But also remember now that all people are okay. It is okay, Peter, for you to go talk to these people. It's okay for you to share the message of Jesus with these people. And we find out that Peter does that. Next week, we find out that he has to stand his ground. Because everybody else finds out that Peter did this, and they all want to jump on his back and say, shame on you for doing this. But Peter gets in the conversation and says, wait a second, this is what I was supposed to do. This is what I learned. But that's next week. So if you want to read next week, just start reading chapter 11, verses 1 through 18, and you will be ahead of the game. But for now, Peter is just learning this lesson that all people are clean. So ultimately, Jesus is for everyone. Can you say that with me, please? Jesus is for everyone. You know, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, when God chose Israel, it says the Lord didn't choose that his affection on you and choose you because you are more numerous than other people. For you were the fewest of all people. It was because the Lord loved you and he kept his oath that he swore to his, your forefathers. He didn't look at Israel and say, wow, I'm just going to show you favoritism and you're my favorite people. He says, I made an oath to your forefathers that I was going to do this. I chose you for this, uh, to, to have the, the line of Jesus come through you because I loved you. And a lot of Jews said, hey, we're God's chosen people. God loves us. Who cares about the Gentiles? I know lots of times in the past I've said that Gentiles were there to fuel the fires of hell. That's what the Jewish people thought. That's what they're there for, to just keep hell hot for the next person to kind of to, to join hell. But really... If we look at scripture, we find in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, the Lord says, ultimately, I will make you a light for the Gentiles. He's talking to Jewish people. You guys are supposed to bring the salvation to the ends of the earth. God picked the Jewish people, yes, to have the line of Jesus, but not to keep it there, which is what they were doing. He says, you're supposed to take it to the ends of the world. You're supposed to go. That's why in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what they were supposed to be doing. Peter was not really getting that picture. He was in Jerusalem. He went to Samaria. But apparently he needs to realize that not just those people groups need to hear about Jesus. Everybody needs to hear about Jesus because Jesus is for everyone. Peter had a big lesson to learn. And guess what? Peter learned his lesson. 
It says when he got to Cornelius' house, uh, he, he started sharing with them the message that God wanted him to share. And he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. He doesn't say only for the Jews. I only love the Jews. He says, but he accepts men from every nation to the one who, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Everybody is welcome to come to Jesus. It's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. And Peter is learning this lesson, and we're being reminded of that same truth today. <clears throat> Peter learned his lesson. And what he shares, it says in, um, in verse 36, chapter 10, verse 36, he, he tells Cornelius and his friends, he says, you know the message that God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through, the, through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Cornelius knew. Peter knew that Cornelius knew that Jesus was sent for the Jewish people. God, God sent the Messiah to them, but he's not saying that, oh yeah, we were supposed to tell you too. He says, you know about Jesus. You know what he came to do. And kind of like, oops, we kept it to ourselves. And, and so Peter's trying to explain this message of salvation to them. And I want to take a, a quick stop here right now and go over the gospel for us as well because this message is for us too. And this message is for the outside world. And I want to make sure that you understand this for yourself and you make sure that you understand this so that you can share it with somebody else. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all cheated. We've all had anger, bitterness in our hearts and whatever. All those negative things, we've all done something in our life that we can say, yes, that's me. I've said lots of times, how I'm a sinner and I've given examples. You know what? We all say we're in the same boat. We are all sinners. This is what Cornelius needs to know. This is what you and I need to know. This is what the world out there, the outsiders in the world need to know. We have all sinned. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That's what I earn. I work for a paycheck. I get paid money. I sin. I earn death. I earn eternal separation from God forever in hell. That's bad news. This is awful stuff. We're in here. We, we're hearing this. We know this. But there's a clueless world out there who does not realize this is the way it really is. Romans 5.8, God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't make us get our lives right before God, before he was willing to apply the blood of Jesus to our life to give us salvation. He says, I'm going to, if you just come to me as you are, you can have salvation because I paid that price because I love you. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, your Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. It's not going to church a bunch of Sundays. It's not giving a bunch of money to the offerings. It's not committing to go to Uganda or some other country to share the gospel. It's by simply putting your faith in Jesus for salvation uh, that you have salvation. That's the good news of salvation that Peter knew. That's the good news of salvation that Peter was sharing with Jews. But that was the, that was the good news that was getting left out for the Gentile people of that day. The out, there's an inside group that's very comfortable, very, very happy. Hey, me and my boys, me and my family, me and my friends, we've got Jesus. We're going to heaven. We're the inside group, and we know that whether the rapture comes or whether somebody dies in an accident, we know we're going to see somebody again if, because they have Jesus. But there's an outside world that needs that same hope that you and I have. 
Insiders today are those who have put their faith in Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Jesus isn't just for white people. He isn't just for black people. He isn't just for poor people. He isn't just for the rich people or the political people or the, or the not political people, right? Jesus is for everyone. Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 to 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I thought about saying, there is neither cowboy fan nor Seahawk fan. Right? There's neither rancher nor city kid. There's neither whatever else, right? There's, not, there's none of that. In, well, yes, we are those things, but in God's sight, we're all the same. Putting our faith in Jesus for salvation, we're all the same in Christ. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 says, uh, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation. This is up in heaven. From every nation. Every tribe, every people group, every language, there are going to be people from every corner of the earth because Jesus is for everyone. And he, he sends people out to go be those missionaries. He asks us to go be those missionaries as well. Our scripture reading that Steve read, uh, one of the verses in there says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal for, for us. You know, if it, was, if it came down to, to preaching... Or if it came down to being a missionary, who do you think would be better? Anybody think Jesus would be better or Josh would be better? Jesus, raise your hand. Okay, anybody want to say Josh? <laughs> oh, no, I. No, you put your hands down. No, Josh doesn't compare with Jesus, right? But for some reason, God says, I'm going to use fallible people to do this. He says, I want you guys to get out there and be my ambassador. You know what the, uh, the basketball... Uh, meeting that the junior high did um, a couple weeks ago. Um, Britt was talking about how all these kids are a team. And he was talking about when you guys go to the school, I want you guys to look nice. I want you guys to act nice because you guys are representing our school. Right? When, and when, when these kids go to these other teams and they beat them and they still have good sportsmanship or they lose and they still have good sportsmanship, they are representing their school, right? If, if we get on an airplane and fly to a different country, we are representing our country to those people. They, they look at that and say, oh, that's what Americans like. We kind of do the same thing. Someone comes from another country, we say, oh, that's what a Bolivian is like, right? That's what a Hindu is like, or, or whatever. You know, we, we just look and say, that's what they're like because that's the way they're acting. Well, we as Christians, we are supposed to be the example of what Christ is like to the world. There should be some kind of difference in us that people see. We are God's lips and God's hands and feet to the world around us. So let me ask you, who do you know in your life that automatically came to mind as an outsider? You know the person who is the person who's very religious, that you know that they're, they're very loving, they're very kind, but they're mixed up in their belief. Who do you know that's like that? Who do you know that is clueless? that has no clue that Jesus even exists, or has no clue that Jesus is for them also. Because we all come into this building, and so there must be something that we all agree on, but maybe there's somebody outside our, our neighborhood that feels like, I can't walk into that building because I don't, I'm not one of them. Right? There are people out there who need to hear about Jesus. Who do you know that just hates God, who hates Christians, who hates anything religious? Who do you know that's like that? 
Because I know you do know people like that. I know people like that. I walk in the halls of school, and I see people like that, that if, if you were to bring up the name of Jesus, it would be a bad idea, unless you want to get into a, a, a fight of some sort. And as much as we look and say, that, uh, that person's too religious, they're probably good, they probably know Jesus, or this person doesn't have a clue, and, or, or I don't really care, or this person is a jerk, I'm staying away from. Everybody needs Jesus. And I know that's scary. That puts a little fire under us. That puts a little pressure on us that we've got to be the mouth. We've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to share Jesus with them. Now, I would, I would encourage you, first of all, you know that person that comes to mind that you don't want to talk to? I would just start praying for that person. Just pray for them. Because nothing you say is going to matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you want to give them a million dollars, they'll take it. But if you just walk up and share Jesus with them, they're not going to care. So you've got to have some help from God to soften that soil, to prepare their hearts to so do it. Right? That's the easy part. The second part is, uh, we were at the NAB conference yesterday, and I'm like, man, that ties in a lot with this message. Um, the guy was a very good speaker. Um, he, he did a great job of, of, of talking about some of this, but he was, he was talking about getting involved in people's lives. We had a breakout session, the same kind of thing. Getting involved in people's lives, not not just inviting people over for dinner and then I'm going to like throw up the gospel on them, or after a couple of times I'm going to slide the crack across the table, but it's like just getting involved in people's lives. They have a need, you try to meet that need. You see them at a basketball game, you start a relationship. You have, invite people over for dinner, and you just develop a relationship. And a lot of times, conversations get brought up on their end, and that's a really great opportunity to take advantage of those opportunities. But I know that's still hard to do. You know, the uh, email I sent out this week about uh, it was an encouragement. It talked about how you only go through this track one time. Whatever, whatever it is, I don't get to go relive through that moment and have that same opportunity. Because life is always different. People are in different places. Conversations are different. So what you have to do is take, take that opportunity when it's there. You've got to be praying for it. You've got to be looking for it. And when it's there, you take it. But God's not expecting you to just go out on your own and just start speaking the gospel to anybody and everybody. He's expecting you to pray, and he's expecting you to get inside people's lives. Connect with them, love them, interact with them, so when that opportunity comes, you are ready to share it. And we know this is all true. You know, um, I feel like in, in this last couple of verses, the, the Holy Spirit was proving to Peter that Yes, indeed, it was the right thing for him to do because lives were changed. The Holy Spirit was involved in convincing Peter that these people should be baptized as believers because they truly are. These people have the Holy Spirit like Peter did. And so for sure, they, are putting their, they have put their faith in Jesus and they should be baptized. God proved it to them. This isn't just a theory message. Yeah, we should do this. We have proof in this text that yes, lives were changed. People put their faith in Jesus, and they were baptized as a result of that. We need to be doing the same thing as well. So if you're here, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, guess what? Anybody want to take a guess? Jesus is for you. You can't look at your life and say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've, what I've said or what I've hung out with. You're right. I don't know, and I don't need to know. God already knows. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Jesus is for you. 
If you know Jesus as your Savior, guess what? Jesus is for them, right? They need Jesus, and you need to be the person who takes Jesus to them. Whether they are the jock in school, whether they are the rancher, the city kid, the jerk on the bus, whatever. Jesus is for everyone. It's a great message. It's a great reminder for us to get that message out, to get involved in people's lives, to love them. There are people who need to be brought into the family of God, and God's asked us to be the people to bring them there. Take them from the outside and bring them into the inside because Jesus is for everyone. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are there for me. God, you know that I didn't have a hope of a prayer of being good enough to get to heaven. And if I had to earn it, I never could either. Thank you for the salvation that you gave me so that I could have eternal life. God, if, it, if somebody is in here and they're in this room and they know that they don't know their Savior, please, just burn into their brain that Jesus is for them. They're going to church isn't for them. Being baptized isn't for them. Doing good works isn't for them. You are for them. The salvation that you want to give is for them. Help them, God, not to, to be able to be settled in their minds so that they put their faith in you. God, there's a world out there that we all know. You know, we all have our little niches and crannies of the, the world that we go to people that we love and relate to, and I just pray that you put into our minds that Jesus is for them also, that we would get involved in their lives, that we would love them, that we could meet needs, that we could have dinner together and just develop relationships together with them so that we have the opportunity and the right to share you with them. God, I just thank you for the salvation that you give us. Please help us to share it with others. I pray this in Jesus' name.